after a very long hiatus, blockbusters are back and it feels so good. Welcome to Box Office Quarterback, sponsored by the Racing Experts. I'm Ryan Schmelz, joined as always by Jeffrey Gordon. Jeffrey Gordon, how are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. I'm happy to finally see a new release because... Uh, the last new release I saw was Sonic the Hedgehog in theaters, and I didn't want that to be the last blockbuster I saw. Um, this movie, there's a lot to talk about. I think it's got a bad rap. Let's just say that off the top. But, um, yeah, I'm happy we're discussing Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, and we're super amped because we came on to the Wonder Woman theme song, which is so awesome. I, I used to listen to this while I worked out when the movie first came out. It was such an epic theme. Yeah, it's a good theme. It's definitely the best superhero theme uh, as far as the DC characters go, I would say. Uh, very, very good. Um, and th there's a lot of good things about this movie. I know the internet doesn't think so, but uh, yeah, I think there's some positives to take away from it, uh, for sure. Yeah, Jeff and I are, are, are pretty big superhero nerds, for the most part. Uh, this is only the second superhero movie we've done. We haven't even done a Marvel movie yet. But this is the only the second new release we've done. And when we started this podcast, we were thinking about maybe doing movies as they came out. And I think that's what we're going to do to kind of differentiate ourselves from, from some of the other guys who do similar shows like this one. But... Um, Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman saved the DC universe originally, I thought. Um, DC had a really rough start. I, I, I kind of debate how bad they truly were. I thought Man of Steel was a good movie. Um, I thought Batman vs. Superman was better than what the critic consensus was, uh, though I definitely had my issues with it as well. You and I both saw Justice League together. We didn't think it was that bad. Uh, we thought it was decent. It was enjoyable. And it definitely had its flaws, too. The CGI. <clears throat> uh, and then Wonder Woman came out. And Wonder Woman kind of changed everything for DC because everyone was very satisfied by it. Um, people loved the casting of Gal Gadot, as did I. Uh, Patty Jenkins did a spectacular job. She's did Monster, so she already had a pretty solid track record going into this. Um, and... And then, then DC kind of got hot from... I uh, know Justice League came out after Wonder Woman, excuse me. So then it kind of hit that, oh, crap. Well, the first attempt at being at the Avengers didn't work for him. But then Aquaman came out, and it was good. Um, not the greatest movie ever, but, but good enough to keep it going. And then, then we got Shazam, which I thought was awesome. And then Birds of Prey, which was very good, too. And then DC's kind of stayed hot ever since then. And now it's kind of like, okay, well... Now I'm kind of looking forward to a Justice League in the future. Yeah, and we get Zack, uh, Zack Schneider's Justice League in, in two months. So we, we're going to see the original Vision. And then you, you, you had Joker come out, which uh, won Joaquin Phoenix an Oscar. It's not part of the DC um, Extended Universe, but still, DC is on fire lately. And um, I, I don't think that this movie changed that. I think they're still on the right path after this movie. I still think Patty Jenkins um, is a great director, and um, she's pr pretty damn good at telling a story, and I'm really excited to see uh, what she does with Star Wars in the future and Wonder Woman 3. But with that said, there is some big problems with this movie. Yeah, no, um, it's definitely not the, uh, the greatest superhero movie of all time, but it's definitely... It's definitely solid. It definitely keeps the momentum going for DC. So I would say it's another hit if we're going off that. You know, it didn't have to be a classic. It just... The, with DC movies at this point, they just had to be good enough to, like, keep the franchise alive. And and it, it, it's kind of sad it got to that point. But, you know, keep in mind, it's not like Marvel's original movies, like, blew the, blew the screen off the critic in the box office world. I mean... Uh, yeah, Iron Man was a huge success its first time around, especially critically. But, you know, I wasn't particularly, like, amazed by The Incredible Hulk or uh, the first Captain America movie or even the first Thor movie. I was kind of like, yeah, they're passable movies. They're not anything out of the water. And then Avengers came around. And remember, people hated on the... People were like, 
I don't know if this Avengers thing is going to work out. Yeah, four superhero movies and superheroes in one movie. It, it, I think a lot of people thought about Spider-Man 3. And when you had all yeah. those villains in one movie and it was a mess, like, oh, man, they're not going to fit all these superheroes on one screen. And then it ended up being, in my opinion, the second best superhero movie of all time. Yeah, see, I have an opposite kind of view when it came to DC. Um, Gal Gadot probably wouldn't have been my first choice to cast as Wonder Wonder Woman, but I think she is the perfect choice for the role now after seeing two movies with her. I don't think that the first movie is as good as people say it is. Um, There's some big problems with it. I think Captain America, the first Avenger, which is a similar... Uh, time period based superhero movie is a superior movie um, and I, I think the the villain in the first Wonder Woman movie really kills it at the end of the day it's just not a memorable performance um, but I, I think this movie is an improvement and I think DC has gotten a lot better uh, in the past two years well we're very on the opposite side of that spectrum because I thought the first Wonder Woman movie was spectacular I thought the characters were superb and that's why I forgave it for having maybe an underwhelming villain uh, towards the end but I thought uh, I was a huge fan of the first Wonder Woman I saw it in theaters I was very impressed I was beyond ecstatic for some of the stuff I was seeing on that movie Um, but as I said characters you get the characters right the rest takes care of itself the the first wonder woman had phenomenal characters from uh wonder woman herself to some of the the amazons and then to steve trevor played by chris pine who was oh i'm so happy they brought him back for this one because he is such an awesome character um not as effective in this movie but still just the charm is there i mean he had such a great charm to him and, and then yeah. his, and then the side cast of soldiers he had with him were, were extremely uh, likable characters, too, in the first movie. And then, yeah, and then the villains were really the only miss of the movie. I think they could have done that a little bit better. But besides that, I mean, I think the plot was good in the first one. I think it's way superior to the plot in this movie. But the uh, villains in the second one are going to be way more superior than the villains from the first one. But, yeah, I, I would agree with you. The villains in the second movie are great. And, and they're they're very different than the ones in the first movie. You, you have Ares, who's the main villain in Wonder Woman 1, who's based on Greek mythology. And that didn't really hit for me. Um, but Max Lord and Pedro Pascal, he hams it up so much that he is my favorite part of this movie. Um, th- there's so many ways that that character could have failed but I think he, you know, he plays it just right to where he is uh, a memorable DC character. And uh, I really love what he did. He just went for it, man. And I think he delivered. Um, the plot is, is something else, though. I'm on the other side. I thought Kristen Wiig was the villain who really stole the show in this one because she had a full-on character arc. And it's really hard to, to do a transition from, like, goofy nerdy happy likable person to dark and evil by two hours gone by you know that's the stuff you do in a 10-part series but she made it work and by the end of it she was very convincing and, and, and you know you're going into it she's still Kristen Wiig she's the comedy actress you know like you we don't see her in too many serious roles and after watching this I'm saying to myself I want to see more Kristen Wiig in dramatic roles the way I like to see the way I want to see Adam Sandler in more dramatic roles. Yeah, she was a very convincing villain and and uh, her character Barbara Minerva who's Cheetah in the comics it it's a tough character to pull off on screen just because of the nature of it, you know, it's a it's a woman who got transformed into a cheetah and she plays it pretty damn well man and she really does um uh the transformation comes at the end of the movie and i liked it uh but her whole build-up to it was great like you said uh my only kind of nitpick with that is we've seen this character before we've seen it in batman forever with jim carrey it's you know this person 
who worships the superhero and wants to be like them, and they end up turning evil. We've seen it. Um, Electro and Spider-Man 2, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 also comes to mind as well. Uh, but I thought Kristen Wiig did a fantastic job, uh, regardless of, you know, a, a retread in some sorts. All right, you referenced the comic books, so that means we have to go to a no 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 nerd moment. According to my things, Ash. Are you think you're ready to fight Digimon already? I choose you. Yeah, so we're working on a uh, a sound effect for every time Jeff goes in. Well, well, that's happening in the comic box, I know. <laughs> well, there, there's a backstory to that too. Uh, my my old boss. Um, <laughs> It was like, I forget how many years ago, but uh, I, I, I'm a huge nerd, as everyone knows. And I brought a lightsaber to work uh, when The Force Awakens came out. And then he, he, he says to me, he's like, oh, my God, again with the nerd uh, stuff, Jeff. And, <laughs> he did not say stuff. He, he didn't not... say stuff. He said something else. <laughs> um, me and that guy did not get along. Let's just say that. Um, but yeah, he would say it to me all the time and that's where that stems from. Yeah. And, and we'd be careful with the nerd stuff here cause we don't want to alienate people. We want every movie fan of every movie type to come onto our show and listen. I'm here for the nerds. So I got yeah. you guys. <laughs> well, we I had got... one guy, we had one guy who didn't even want to, he only wanted to come on to talk about superhero movies. And we were like, I'm sorry, it's not going to cut it. You, you gotta, you gotta be. Willing to expand to come on to this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he missed out on this one. But Eric, if you're listening, we want you to come on the next time we do a Marvel movie. <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so where were we? Um, with the nerd stuff. So, um, yeah, no, no. Okay, so so anyone who's who, who's fairly familiar with Wonder Woman knows Cheetah's like the. Uh, like the ultimate villain right if you watch the super friends when you were a kid uh that was her like arch nemesis so i was yeah. like oh sweet Kristen wiggs gonna be the cheetah um my issue with the cheetah was uh it kind of came out of nowhere there was no like force they did like a brief foreshadowing that she thought like wonder woman's like heels were cool because they were cheetah heels but like, could she have been reading, like, a cheetah magazine or had, like, a cheetah thing that was going on? I don't know. Like, I feel like they could have, like... It's like, why'd you pick well, that that animal, you know? They did have that um, at the beginning. Uh, I, I think uh, Diana was wearing cheetah print yeah, heels. Yeah, that's, that's what I was referencing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, she's like, I want to be... An apex predator. An apex predator, but wouldn't she become the lioness? Or she could have been the the a snake or something. I mean, there's a lot of apex predators out there, you know. I mean, Randy Orton's the apex predator in WWE, but they call him the Viper. So, oh, yeah. she could have been a snake. Yeah, she could have been the the Viper. But um, I, I I thought the final look of Cheetah was, was better than expected because you know last year we had cats come out and that movie was stupid the way they made the cats look this uh this looked kind of scary it kind of looked like um was that the island of dr moreau kind of some weird experiment kind of yeah. gone wrong so i kind of like what they did uh with the final design of the cheetah i think it was um pretty comic book accurate and uh movie friendly as well i thought uh i thought the cgi in this movie was was very very good um i thought so too and 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 this is this is coming from the DC, which has had this criticism thrown at them, you know, like that their CGI has just been subpar in a lot of a lot of their movies. So and not a lot of them, some of their movies so far. I would say Justice League's probably the one that comes to mind. But um, no, I th I thought from the opening scene, CGI was great. To all the fighting sequences, um, to the look of the cheetah, you know, it didn't seem like the over the top CGI. That uh, some other superhero movies have done. Not gonna say which ones. Jeff can say which ones. But uh, I thought no, I I, w I, w I thought it was very believable. And I was satisfied with that. So action sequences, boom, wins. Just about all of them. Yeah, they're pretty good. And there's some beautiful shots in this movie. Uh, when Steve Trevor and Diana are kind of flying through the clouds on Fourth of July, it's a beautiful shot. 
it's weird though that fireworks are kind of shooting at a plane but i look past that and i see the beautiful cinematography that kind of came with it um i i like the setting of 1984 a lot i think they really played into it really well i think it was it was a very unique setting for a superhero movie um uh, I, I think it was Kevin Smith who said it reminded him of uh, uh, Richard Donner's Superman, the original Supermans from mm. the from the seventies and eighties, and I can see that too. Well, so it, it I, comes from a very uh, a different era of superhero I, movies, and I appreciated that. I had down in my in my like things I liked about this movie that this movie did go to the effort to try to be different. I think this movie. Patty Jenkins and the writers were aware that superhero movies have been done quite a lot, especially in recent memory. So they did their best to try to make this movie different and make this movie unique to itself. And I appreciate that effort a lot. I, I don't know. If, I think it worked out for the most part, but I think it's a little bit debatable at this point. But I do appreciate the effort of trying to be original and unique, especially when a character that isn't original because it's Wonder Woman. Yeah, and I and I know we're going to get to our, our favorite scene soon, but the opening scene when she's um, chasing the bad guys through the mall is fantastic. Um, it's great. It's so retro. and I wasn't alive in the 80s, but um, it looks like all the pictures in all the movies from the eighties that I've seen. And, um, it's fantastic, man. I think they did a really good, uh, you know, they did some really good research when it came to this time period and the costumes and the hairdos and everything. The only thing I wish they would have done was maybe do a little bit more of an eighties soundtrack. Cause we never really got any eighties songs in there or get some, be- kind of or thing. get some better acting from the villains. Cause that was definitely one of the issues I had. Yeah. It was almost comical. The one guy's going like, like, you know, he's like holding the kid over the, he's doing like the Michael Jackson with the kid and, yeah. uh, and holding the kid over the ledge. And then the one guy's just sitting there going, Oh no, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it was noticeable enough that me and my girlfriend kind of pointed it out. We're like, Oh, well, acting in these villains is kind of a little off. Um, yeah. So let's go ahead and get into the uh, critic. What the we can't do what they said back then because you know this movie's only a week old as we're recording this. But let's go. Let's read through some of the critical um, consensus or critical reception we've gotten for this movie. We brought up a, like four or so critics we we wanted to point out, and let's go through the the critic consensus on Rotten Tomatoes so far. So Wonder Woman 1984 struggles with sequel overload but still offers enough vibrant escapism to satisfy fans of the franchise and its classic central characters. I mean, not inaccurate. Some of those... Uh, I mean, Steve, Steve Trevor and Diana are the, are, are the best characters in the movie once again. Yeah. There, there are some problems with Steve, Car- oh, with Steve Trevor's character, and I'll get into that, but um, I would agree that um, the central characters are great. All right, so first review up, we've got Brian Lowry of CNN, or CNN, excuse me. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 gets dragged down by its uninspired villains. That's the top of its page. And I don't agree with that. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that like at Ryan all. Said, yeah, they were better than the first one, for sure. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, let me make my point before you steal it. I knew you were going to steal it. Um. I would say this movie, if you could combine the villains of Wonder Woman 1984 with the with the plot of Wonder Woman, you'd have one of the best superhero movies of all time. And I agree with that. Uh, 100%. Because, seriously, what do you guys remember about Wonder Woman 1? You had Ares, who was a twist villain, who was looping for, from Harry Potter, which is very weird. And he had no... He did hardly anything before the... Um, before his reveal, too. He was kind of just, like, hanging out, you know? Yeah. And then you have the lady with... Was her name Dr. Poison, I think was her name? Um, a throwaway villain who... You know, Cheetah is leaps and bounds better than that villain. And you're going to remember the Cheetah uh, as opposed to that villain going forward. This has this had memorable villains. 
where it kind of fell apart was the plot, which we haven't really got to yet, and that is, uh, what is it, the Wish Stone or now, the Dream Stone? Yeah, I, I, I thought Dr. Poison and Ludendorff were okay villains. They just didn't, um, I guess my issue with them is that they just didn't feel threatening. You know, like, you kind of always felt like she was, like, physically superior to them. Um, and I guess Superman's maybe pulled this off with Lex Luger in the past, but, like, at the same time, I don't know. It's just, like, I, I just feel like she was superior. I thought it was good up to that point, but, like, you kind of knew the one guy wasn't actually Ares because, you know, she was just going to whoop his butt from the beginning. You know, you kind of knew that was coming. But, um... Yeah, no, just, the, yeah, they could have foreshadowed Eric. Maybe they could have had him, like, lurking around, and you kind of knew he was there or something like that. I don't know. I think there could have been a better way to bring him in. Yeah, they just didn't stick the landing when it came to Ares, in my opinion. He looked but... cool, though. But it was also interesting seeing a Jack Professor Lupin. For all you Harry yeah. Potter fans out there. <laughs> yeah, Professor Lupin uh, worked out a lot before that movie. But I think... I think I like Max Lord so much as a, as a villain is because he kind of brings something different to the table. He's like a he's a businessman type villain, and he's he's kind of such a cheesy character that I love it so much. Um, he tries to sell himself as like uh, an oil tycoon when really his business is struggling, and um, what's going on behind the scenes isn't exactly what's going on at uh, Lord Industries. Yeah. So Fake it I, I like that it. a lot. They can yeah. kind of make it. Uh, okay, so we got Rolling Stone up now. They gave it a three out of uh, four stars. Let's go back to the CNN one. What was the final score they gave it? Let's see here. Hmm. I don't see a. I don't see a. No, nah, I don't see a review here. All right, let's go back to Rolling Stone. Gave it a three out of five stars. That means it's a good movie. Uh, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. A superhero takes on greed, misogyny, shoulder pads. The villainy represented here indeed feels 80s, a dark riff on entrepreneurial self-help e-logic in its most bastard state um, by Austin Collins, not Peter Travers, who is the most notable Rolling Stone critic, but they, uh, here we go. It's a solid, goofy action action movie stuff that makes the superhero superheroism of these movies good when it's good. Even the burden of representation can't weigh that stuff down. It all gives off the impression that this is a woman who knows all eyes are on her, that these battles aren't just plot points or excuses to blow things up or beat guys up, but rather a chance to flex Godot's genuine star quality. And I did not... I don't agree with that. I had to read through that my first time. Uh, and uh, anyone who's never ever anchored a newscast, it is not easy to read something uh, without reading Cold. it first. <laughs> Dry reading, is, what we, is that what they call it? cold reading yeah so yeah if you if you didn't write it yourself it's very weird to read yeah. um or you everyone has their own voice yeah yeah um and so we got new york post here by uh johnny olikinsinki and he said wonder woman 1984 review 80s flair is just what the franchise needed and he gave it a three out of four stars that's a very good review yeah, and I agree. Uh, the 80s setting is something we haven't, you know, outside of Batman, which was made in 1989 and set in 1989. We haven't seen this era in superhero movies really um, since then. And and I like the choice to set it in this time period. Uh, the 80s is such a vibrant area, uh, especially with, like, the costumes and everything. And I thought it was the right choice at the end of the day. Yeah, and... Um... His it's just like so many t movies and TV shows before. Wonder Woman has discovered the secret recipe for fun. Just set it in the eighties, which is interesting because I feel like the seventies and the sixties were way more were pretty wild in their their own right. But that's just me. Uh, now we got Richard Roper from the Chicago Sun Times. Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, the Amazon and the Era, a totally rad combination. A light tone reminiscent of Superman ups the entertainment in the heroine's new adventure. And he gave it a three and a half out of four stars. So, very positive review from Richard Roper, who we've uh, quoted on this uh, show quite a lot. 
in recent memory. Yeah, so the critic reviews and the reaction you're seeing on Twitter is night and day. Twitter is, it's either you love this movie or you hate it. And I think that it's getting some unfair criticism, like I said at the, at the beginning of the show. Um, it's not what people are trying to make it out to be. I think on IMDb, it's the lowest rated DC um, extended universe movie now, which I think is unfair because Suicide Squad, was a, Suicide Squad was a terrible movie. Yeah. Um, if you don't think so, you should watch it back right now because it's bad. Um, Justice League. Whatever that became was terrible. Um, it might be redeemed in two months when we see Zack Snyder's version. But I, I think this movie has kind of fallen victim to being, you know, the first new release that we've had in months. And people are kind of, you know, reacting in a very negative way. And, and I will uh, say, I, I think the first movie did, is one of the reasons why, too. I think I think people had a very high expectation after the first movie. I know you weren't as high on it as other folks were but the reality is the first movie was very well reviewed and it was a huge box office success and it was a huge just audience success too like it had the critics the critic approval the audience approval and the box office uh numbers to back it up so i think and, and i mean it even got oscar buzz for best picture like let's not forget that like wonder woman was i mean it's it's an all you're not going to agree and I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise, but it was considered, and it can be considered to be an all-time great in terms of superhero movies. Well, I, I don't know if this was the same year as Black Panther, uh, but I think if I were to pick uh, a superhero movie to be nominated for Best Picture, I probably would have picked Wonder Woman over Black Panther, which I also thought was kind of overrated. Um, and I, I at least think Gal Gadot should have been nominated for Best Actress that year because this character is so iconic this character was um created in the 1940s and we've been waiting so long to see uh diana prince on screen that when we finally got it i think it should have deserved some more recognition than what it got at the end of the day and and, and there have been wonder woman like plans in the past it's been quite actually i think i feel like it's happened several times obviously we had patty jenkins or, um, I'm sorry, the, the original Wonder Woman. Um, Linda Carter. Yes, Linda Carter, who has an awesome cameo in this, by the way, post-credits. It's very nostalgic and very fun. Um, but, you know, they, there's been, I feel, Andrea Palacki from uh, Friday Night Lights was casted to play her in one of the, um... The, the pilots, and, and Pedro Pascal, Max Lord, in this movie, was in that pilot. Was Which it a TV crazy. show? I thought I thought it was gonna be a movie. The one Andriana was uh, casted for. It, it, it was supposed to be uh, a TV series on NBC, and it was uh, from David E. Kelly. I think he did Ally McBill and Friday Night. I don't know if it was Friday Night Lights, but it was definitely Ally McBill. He was the one in charge of that um, show, and Pedro Pascal was supposed to be one of the main stars of it. And it's crazy that ten years later, um, he's in this movie. And he's a way bigger actor now, and uh, a very impressive actor. I mean, uh, Narco, Narcos is great. Yeah, he and, was great and then obviously he had his one one season in Game of Thrones where he really, I think, came and I think he started it. That's where he kind of got the name recognition. You know, be on Game of Th Game of Thrones is a great way to get your name out there. I mean, when you're in one of the most highly watched dramas of all time, uh, arguably probably the most uh, watched TV show that I can think of in history. Um, you're gonna get your name out there. Yeah, and now he's the Mandalorian. Yeah, and he, and had he a, gets to. Yeah, and now everybody knows who he is. Yeah, and he had a pretty uh crazy death. We don't need to get into that. <laughs> Disturbing. I, I'm I'm still upset about it. Cause I read the books of Game of Thrones too, because I'm a nerd too. Also. Oh, <laughs> I fun fact I've never I've only seen about like five or six episodes of Game of Thrones yeah well Pedro Pascal's in season four and he's uh not in there very long it's it's upsetting spoiler <laughs> alert spoiler <laughs> alert. yeah I know yeah you should know well we have spoilers for Wonder Woman already that we feel yeah, like everyone... we, we we talk freely on this show Every, yeah so we, we shouldn't be doing spoilers for other shows that's that's a little unfair 
All right, let's, uh, wow, we've, uh, this is the longest we've gone before getting into scenes, I think. Yeah. All right, let's get into scenes. What do you got? So, you know, the scene in the mall was definitely great for me, and I mentioned that earlier, but another scene I want to talk about is uh, when Max Lord, you know, he wishes to become the Dreamstone, and he goes to confront his investor, and he's talking to him, and I think the dialogue is great in the scene where he's like, you know what, whatever you wish, you're going to be out of the way magically somehow, and I don't know how. And five seconds later, this guy's getting arrested by the FBI for, like, tax fraud or something. It's great. It's a great scene. Um, it's so cheesy and hammy, and I love it. And Pedro Pascal just plays it great. Um, it, it just kind of kind of sells what type of villain he is for the rest of the movie, and I uh, really like that scene. I like the opening scene. I thought it was uh, a very beautiful, yeah, the landscape was beautiful. Didn't seem fake. I think it was real. Um, and it was kind of like, a, immediately I'm like, oh, the CGI in this movie is good. So now I'm optimistic about what I'm about to watch. And it was a really fun, you know, little race they had. It was very unique, very different. Um, and it brought back some of the characters I think a lot of people really like from the original movie, which is, uh, um, uh, the, Diana's mom and then uh, Robin Wright's character as yeah, well. Yeah, so Robin Wright came back, yeah, and, and I feel like, hey, that was a quick paycheck for them. They didn't have to say much, and they got... Yeah. <laughs> but, no, it was great to see them back uh, and find a way to get them in this movie, especially when they were so likable in the first one, even though uh, Robin Wright unfortunately died in the first one. But, uh, yeah, I was satisfied. Um, one scene I did not like... Um, and this is bad because I really like this character. I thought Steve Trevor's um, reveal came out of nowhere, and it was very anticlimactic how they how they executed it. I don't like how they handled that entire thing, and we'll, let's get into this now. So Diana wishes upon the Dreamstone that Steve Trevor um, returns to her life, and he is. He's Chris Pine to her in his appearance, but he is a completely different man um, in real life that everybody else sees. It's, it's a weird, freaky Friday kind of body switch. Um, it's just very weird to me. Um, I, I would have kind of rather he came back as a clone or some other way. It's just, it was too weird for me. Uh, me, and my, me and my wife kind of, uh, kind of made fun of that throughout this movie. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it was um, it was odd, uh, to say the least. Um, I like the second chase scene. Only thing I didn't like, um, and 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 my girlfriend had to point this out to me. I could not stand whenever they shot her running in slow motion. And I got that they had to do this because of the um original Wonder Woman. That's kind of what they did on the TV show. They had her run in slow motion facing the camera, but like. When Gal Gadot's running, I mean, like, she doesn't look like she's breathing while she's running. And, and the background just looks, like, eh, a little off. But besides that, everything else looks awesome. And I love the, um, I love just the, I, I feel like a lot of the effects were very practical in that uh, chase sequence with the cars. When when Steve Trevor and, and Gal Gadot both kind of get, get uh, involved in it. So I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, there's there's some really great action scenes in this movie. Um, there there there's some weird things in there where you know one Wonder Woman can fly in this movie, and she lassoes a cloud, which is weird. I mean, but I look past that, and I actually think that this movie has better act, action sequences overall than the first movie. It doesn't top the No Man's Land uh, sequence from the first one, no. where she's going through the minefield and everything. That's just iconic, and that's never going to be topped. But overall, I think this movie um, does kind of improve on the action. Eh, I have to. Wa- I would have to go back and watch every single action sequence from the original one to, to, to give you an opinion about that. Um, but I did think. Um, That, yeah, I think some of her powers, there was no, like, foreshadowing to it. They did a good job with the armor at first, uh, kind of 
when she like talked to Steve about who she, that woman was, that goddess was, and and all that. But like the the invisible plane thing, like oh that was convenient. You've been practicing this and we didn't know about it. Um, that came out of nowhere. Then the flying thing came out. I feel like you know maybe we could add a scene where she's studying or trying to practice this stuff, like at the beginning of the movie, on her off time. But it it came out of nowhere, and that was that was just the one issue I had. The invisible plane thing I thought was was pretty smart to try to include that into a movie because that's yeah. been made fun of in pop culture for for decades now. Family Guy makes fun of it all the time. Yeah, um, I, I thought that was was a smart way to bring it in. But the flying thing was weird. Um, to be honest, I don't know much about Wonder Woman um, as far as uh, the, the character goes in her history, but. Um, I never have known Wonder Woman to fly, and I would kind of like a little bit more backstory on that. Yeah. Um, do you want a scene? Or do you want me to go next? I've already, I've kind of done like two in a row, so. I got my two, which is the mall and uh, and then the Pedro Pascal scene. So okay. I, I think I've covered. I've got, I've got, I've got. Um, there's two Steve and Diana scenes that I thought were spectacular. I thought there was a scene where she. She talks about him dying again and how much that would suck. And then there's actually the scene where she does have to say goodbye to him for a second time. And I was really hoping, and I think a lot of people were hoping that we did not have to see Steve Trevor die again because watching Steve Trevor die in the first movie was brutal. Yeah. Especially we have such a lovable character as he was. I mean, I remember watching it with my parents and they were just, my mother was heartbroken when he had to die. And then you know you had, we had to lose him again, and it, that was a really hard task to make it just as emotionally tough to watch as it was the first time. But this one, it was just as heartbreaking. I mean, it might have even been more heartbreaking because she actually had to like wish him away. Yeah, that that scene did stand out too, and um, the dialogue is great in that scene because he's like Diana, you know what you have to do. Um, the backstory to that is. Uh, when you wish upon something on the in the dreamstone, you lose a part of yourself, and Diana has lost a part of her powers. So, in order for her to defeat these two villains, she's going to have to give up what she wished, and that's uh, for the love of her life to go away once again. So she loses him twice um, in her lifetime, and and it's very tragic at the end of the day. And I and the scene was beautiful. Um, I really loved it. There was like chaos going on around them, but your focus is on them. And it was uh, a great setup by by Patty Jenkins, I think. And it, she really pulled it off great in that yeah. scene. Right. Writing staff did a great job with this one, but also the I mean, it, you, you don't get this unless the actors and actresses, the two act, the two talents involved, just pull it off and make it so convincing. And this is just great character development from the first movie to the second movie because remember the first one. Steve Trevor went out in a very selfless way. I mean, giving himself up for other people. Um, and then he does it a second time. He gets his life back and he gives it up for others. Like, because he knows that Diana has a chance of saving the world. And he selflessly chooses to go back to being dead just so everyone else can have a chance. Yeah. And it's just such a great character arc and why Steve Trevor's just been such an awesome character through these two movies. And yeah, he's, a gr- he, he's such a great character in this movie, especially the kind of fish-out-of-water stuff um, of him kind of getting used to the 80s and going to museums. And, uh, you know, he figures out that America has gone to space and all this stuff. It's <laughs> it's so great. Um, well, I, and I remember I like the first one, like, him just, like, getting used to, like, the Amazon stuff. You have the scene where, like, he's, like, in the hot tub and she's asking him questions and he's like uh what up (laughs) oh man he's yeah he's he's awesome um and the one last yo the white house fight sequences were freaking insane yeah you get a pretty epic uh cheetah versus wonder woman fight in the white house yeah i don't think that was taken away from the trailers but it's it's great when it happens. Holy crap. Um, they really utilize Diana's lasso of truth really awesome in this movie, I think. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of the scenes uh, where you kind of see it and then the ending as well. But yeah, uh, best White House action scene 
we've seen since um, X Men Two. Nightcrawler. Yeah, um, they really did a great job with that. Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, that that was that was. I, I was. I feel like the movie hit a whole nother gear when that happened. Um, and then you had you had Kristen Wiig kind of officially complete the in wrestling terms the heel turned with the uh, the true I'm now a villain and I'm and I'm a threat. Watch yeah. out, especially when you don't have your powers. I am a threat to you, so be careful. Uh, so that's it for scenes for me now. Plus, yeah, the post credit scene was awesome. Post credit scene was great. Yeah, um, this is a spoiler friendly show, so uh, you got to know that Linda Carter was in the post credit scene, and the way they tied her into the movie was great because she was the. Um, she was the warrior they were talking about in the story, and she was the one that had the golden eagle armor, which Diana wears at the end of the movie, and it was great how they tied that in. I really loved it. So so I guess she survived that attack? Is yeah. That, or she got wished back somehow by somebody? Yeah, the wish the, the wishes uh, saved everybody in this movie. Do you have any other scenes you didn't like? The, the whole wish thing is weird, Low. We kind of got to address that. Um, you, you know, I know it's based on the comics. I know Max Lord is a is a is a telepath, and he can kind of control people to do what he wants. But um, in this day and age, and when we kind of take superhero movies a little more seriously than we had in the past, I think it was kind of a weird plot choice to have. You know, this guy is basically a genie. He's granting wishes to people. That was kind of my one of my big nitpicks of this movie. Yeah, it, it was it was an odd choice, and I feel like that's that's the thing we've got from a lot of people. They're having a hard time wrapping their head around like a wishing stone being the. Uh... I mean, just some of the stuff that happens is so over the top. Yeah, I mean, when we get to the end of this movie, the whole world is you know, wishing to be what they want to be because Max Lord finds a way to broadcast to all of them. You have a waitress in a, in a restaurant who wishes to be famous and you got all this stuff going on. Um, it's cinematic. I wish yeah, you would drop dead. I, I thought it was cheesy. I really did. I really thought it was a cheesy plot point. Yeah. No. And, and, and it is a testament that, that Patty Jenkins was able to pull it out and make it a, a good movie. Now, um, but we need to get into characters now. This is always the fun part. Yeah. For me, um, I'm going to go with Steve Trevor as number one. He just has a lot of charisma, man. He, he is a great character. Uh, him adjusting to the 80s is great. The, the whole fashion montage where he's trying to pick what he wants to wear is, is a nice throwback to movies of that era. He comes out wearing a fanny pack at one point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you see him, you know, looking at break dancers for the first time and then going to the museums, like I said before. Uh, Chris Pine just has all the charisma in the world, and I think he is number one for me. I'm going to stick with uh, Wonder Woman for this movie. Um, I think she... I don't think Steve Trevor's character was as effective in this one as he was in the first movie. And and the first movie he really carried so many scenes throughout it. Um, but she this is this is Gal Gadot's show, and she's spectacular again. And Wonder Woman's why we came. Wonder Woman's why we watched this movie and why it's it's such a, a success of a character. So I'm going to go with Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman for my number one. But Steve Trevor is definitely my number two for all the reasons we've said before. He is charismatic. He is charming. He is so entertaining when he's on screen, and he is a absolute show stealer and just so much fun to be around. I want to go Diana with number two, but I, I think I'm going to go Max Lord and Pedro Pascal with with number two. That character could have been a disaster, I think. I think it could have been a stupid character, but I think they got the right actor for it. And just the way he plays it, he's going for it, man. He is going 110% on getting hammy and cheesy and i love everything he brings to that character um just some of the little scenes he's in he starts like you know bleeding from his nose when he's granting wishes and he's just such a cheesy guy um that i had to give it to pedro pascal and max lord for number two for me i had barbara 
at number three for me. Um, I thought the transformation was so well done. And I thought Kristen Wiig's character was so... She was a lot of fun on screen. Um, and just to, to, to take that... To convincingly take the original character, the goofy, nerdy, uh, klutzy, kind of awkward person, and then by the end of it, you're just an intimidating just beast of a human and then to not even being a human by the end of it i thought she was just crazy especially i love when that scene where she explained i want to be an apex predator and and it's just like and keep on this is kristen wink like this is a comedy actor this is the actor we've she's had so many like iconic comedic roles that i think people were worried oh we won't be able to take her seriously as a villain and an intimidating presence but I was sold. I thought she was great at it. And I want to see her do it again, honestly, after this is over. So I thought Kristen Wiig, she's my number three. Uh, she would be my number three as well. She's great, man. She, I, I've not seen her in any type of dramatic role uh, before this movie. There's a scene in this um, where she kind of confronts this drunk guy that's been harassing her throughout the movie, and that's when you know... Um, that Barbara has a lot more to her than uh, meets the eye. And uh, that's a great, great scene. And she really outacts everyone in it. And how she pulled off kind of the cheesy character from the comics and her backstory was great. And I really hope that the, the cheetah shows up um, in other Wonder Woman movies and Justice League movies moving forward. So she is definitely number three for me. Yeah, they kept her alive, so I guess she could be incorporated in uh, Lex Luger's little group of dudes he's forming. Yeah. That the, are at, was that the end of Justice League? So Le- Legion of Doom. Is that are they doing the? Le- is it the Legion of Doom? Is that? I thought that was just a Super Friends thing. Uh, no, it's a it's a comic book thing, but I hope I hope the Cheetah is a part of those plans. Absolutely. Well, she. Well, I remember her from the. Super Friends when I watched that show as a kid. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Especially if you get Kristen Wiig to keep the role going. I'm absolutely 100% down with that. Um, so, I get. do you have Wonder Woman as your number four? Wonder Woman is my number four. And it's that's how much I like the characters in this movie. I think Gal Gadot is perfectly cast as Wonder Woman. Um, I, I've seen her in, what, three or four movies now as this character, and she's fantastic. She's great. Um, I I honestly can't imagine anybody else as this character now, and um, just she brings a strong presence to this movie, and she's the second best, third best hero in the DC universe. Probably second best, I would say, after uh, Ben Affleck's Batman. Yeah. Um, and I guess we, we really got to pull strings for number five here. I, I guess, um, I'll go with, uh, the Robin Wright's character. I thought, you know, obviously she has hardly any screen time in this one, but, um, the advice is there. She has like an influential sequence at the beginning. So I, I think, I think I'll go with her over Connie Nelson's. Yeah, number five is going to be hard for me. If I had to think on the top of my head, it'd probably be um, Robin Wright too. And like you said, it would, you know, it's it's a smaller role than what we were we had in the first movie. But um, the mentor relationship, you, you get kind of reattached to it uh, when you see it. And um, I wish they didn't kill her off in the first movie. I wish she was around for this one. But um, yeah, she'd be number five for oh, me. I, know. I thought I thought the decision to kill her off was great in the first one, because remember they were they were capitalizing off her stardom, her recent like renaissance of stardom from House of Cards and some other other roles, and I thought it was heartbreaking when she died in the first one, and then we had to watch it again when Steve Trevor died in the first one. So yeah, the first one had some serious emotional uh, uh, beatings that they gave. Uh, the viewer but this one not as many but still watching Steve Trevor die a second time was hard yeah uh, for sure so I don't know they gotta bring him back a third time just to kill him off again they might do it 
Yeah, let's go go for the hat trick. Let's rip our rip our heart out a third time. Let's do it. Nah, we can't do that. We're gonna we you got to give him a roll in the third. Keep him around. Find a way to keep him around. I don't know. Make him Green Lantern. That's what he should have done. Oh my goodness! Yeah, why not? Just just screw up whatever it is. I don't know who the who cares who the Green Lantern really is. Make him Steve Trevor. Yeah. All right. Um. Now we got to get into our final reviews. I'm curious what you're going to pick this. I'm going to go a high starter for this movie. It's not an all-star. It's not a Hall of Fame. It's not close to those two ratings, but I enjoyed this movie. It's probably not the last time I'm going to watch it either. It's I, I like the time period that they set it in. I love all the characters. I thought the villains were really great. Uh, some of the best villains in DC movies that we've gotten so far. And um, just, I think Patty Jenkins is a great director. Gal Gadot is perfectly cast. High starter for me. Yeah, I'm going to go with starter too. Um, easy starter. Uh, debating whether or not to give it an all-star. Uh, first one was definitely an easy all-star for me. Um, and depending on how it ages, couldn't end up as a Hall of Famer. Um I thought acting was spectacular. Performances are great. Uh, action sequences were very, very enjoyable. The characters are really good, especially the villains in this this time around. Uh, yeah, but plot holds it back from being an all star, and and that's that's very unfortunate. But you know, I wouldn't mind another Wonder Woman movie. I'm hoping we get some more of her with the Justice League. Uh, if they decide to go down that road again i mean i'm assuming they will at some point and uh yeah i mean it makes me more it makes me excited to still see some more dc movies so that's uh that's a good thing but i i need to caution our viewers to not (laughs) don't don't write off dc if you don't like the Zack snyder justice league cut because you have to keep in mind it was still like not that great of a movie to begin with and uh just because it's all of what Zack Snyder wanted doesn't mean it's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be different. Um, and it's going to be like four or five hours long, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. Um, every filmmaker's different. Patty Jenkins has proven that uh, with the, the two movies that she's done. I'm happy that they announced that she's coming back to make the third movie in the trilogy, and I think that was the right choice because she understands the character. Um but, yeah, Wonder Woman is a great addition to the DC Extended Universe. The second best character, I think, after Ben Affleck's Batman. Um, obviously, that's going to be rebooted now. But, um, yeah, I can't wait to see what Wonder Woman does next. All right. So, uh, we believe Gal Gadot is going to be playing... Um... Cleopatra. Yes. Oh my gosh. I am so pumped after you told me about that. Uh, Patty Jenkins directing. This is going to be epic. Uh, so let's have some fun here. Let's uh, Before we go, let's cast who would he want to play certain historical characters in a Cleopatra movie besides Gal Gadot. So we got Gal Gadot down. Uh, so you got Mark. Do you, how, how, how historically savvy are you, Jeff? Not, not very historical. Okay, well, you got Julius Caesar, you got Mark Antony, and uh, Ptolemy, which is, but he's a child, so it's kind of hard to pick that one out. So, Mark Antony is an easy choice for me. Actually, you know, you could probably keep the original cast from the TV show Rome. If you ever watched that show on HBO, check it out. It is a hidden gem. And it's before it's before Game of Thrones, so it doesn't have the budget that it needs to be the epic show that it could be. So there's not as many battle sequences, AK. But like, so Kieran Hines is uh, Julius Caesar, who played the villain in the original um, Justice League movie. Yeah. And he also played um, played the villain in uh, Ghost Rider too. Oh, gee, well that movie sucked. <laughs> yeah. But he also played um what it what else is he in? Oh, he's he's in a season of he's Mance Raider in Game of Thrones also. So he's an actor who's kind of like aged really well. I think he's he's kind of earned his spots. But at the same time, there could probably be a better Julius Caesar out there. Who do you think? I like Michael Fassbender. I oh, think. Oh man, whoa, good choice. He just kind of brings. 
you know, he kind of looks like a, a guy that could be in that area, and he's great. I, I think he's in Assassin's Creed. He kind of played into that a little bit. I never saw that movie, <laughs> but if if I were if I were to cast anybody, it'd probably be him. Okay, well, um, I was gonna think about it a little bit more, but I think you might have sold me. Why not Leonardo DiCaprio, Russell Crowe, heck, Brad Pitt? I don't know. I'll go with, yeah, let's go with Michael Fassbender. I feel like all these guys have kind of already played, like, uh, Roman characters, too. Not not Leo, yeah. but, like, uh, Russell has, obviously. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix was Commodus, so you can't really bring him back into Rome. So, yeah, I guess Michael Fassbender would be a pretty easy choice. So, Mark Antony. Um, so, James... James Purefoy played him in, uh, or Purefoy played him in the first in the Rome series, and he was probably the highlight of that show. I mean, he was. My, it blew my mind that he hasn't done anything really big since then, because I was so sold on him. So if they could find a way to bring him back and play Mark Antony, I'd be very satisfied. Um, but okay, so Jeff, so Mark Antony's got to be a a drunk, and um little power hungry, you know, a little aggressive, a little bit of a loose cannon, maybe a Joseph Gordon-Levitt, maybe? If John Bernthal could pull off a, oh. an accent from there, I think that would be a good choice. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. But he's, yeah. A, he's a good actor. We're, we're re-watching we're re uh, Daredevil Season 2 right now, and mm. um, he's the best Punisher we've ever had on screen, and I think he's... Uh, he has a lot of range as an actor. I think he'd be a great choice. Yeah. Uh, it'd be nice to see him get in that type of role with a really good cast and hopefully some good writing, too. But a cre very credible director. So. Hey, uh, well, this will be the second historical character uh, Patty Jenkins has done from Monster, remember? That worked out pretty well. So. Yeah, and I didn't know she directed that movie until Ryan told me. I, I had never seen that movie. Uh, my, my wife has told me a lot about it. Um, obviously, Charlie Theron won the Oscar with that one. Um, it's crazy because I don't think Patty Jenkins had many uh, directing gigs after that, which is yeah, uh, kind of blows my mind. It's been a while. Um, yeah, she also was the she was in the screenplay too. So, you know what? Let's we should probably put that down. We're gonna do some Oscar movies coming up. So when we get an Oscar season, so uh, maybe Monster is one of the ones we put down. Yeah, I'd, I've never seen it, and I've heard great things. So, yeah, yeah it's definitely going to be on our radar. Okay, so we're getting into the rom-com era coming up. So we've got uh, Jerry Maguire and Knocked Up, which are our poll winners. And I'm looking forward to one of them. We'll see how I feel about Knocked Up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I love Judd Apatow, and I have... <laughs> Uh, 40-year-old version's great, and th there was a whole Judd Apatow renaissance in the early 2000s, and um, he, he came out with a movie this year, which is pretty great, which is King of Staten Island. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to kind of dive into one of his movies. But it is very nice to be doing a new movie for the first time in a while. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's good just to see a new movie. It's been too long. Um, it's been a rough year. Obviously, you guys are going to hear this in 2021, but um, it, I think it's going to be an exciting year, um, especially for this show, um, especially with all the new releases that we're going to have at our fingertips, and I, I can't wait to talk to talk about all of them. Yep, yep, yep. It's going to be wild. But, as always, we thank you for joining us. Let's get our sponsorship in there one more time. RacingExperts.com, your number one source for motorsports news and giveaways. Um, we got some cool things planned with them, uh, this coming year, a, a retro car might be in our future. Let's just say that, um, that's a tease for you, but yeah, check them out if you have a chance. Absolutely. All right, Jeff. Good seeing my friend. Broncos, too, Broncos drafting a quarterback. No, just kidding. Gar Gardner Minshew, quarterback, Denver Broncos, 2021. Wow. All right. Well, enjoy the national championship, everyone. I know that won't we'll be back before then, but enjoy the new have a happy new year. Enjoy the college football playoff and enjoy uh whatever new releases you decide to watch 
coming up here in a little bit. But we thank you guys for joining us as always. We know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts. We're happy you chose to join us for some good friends and real talk on box office quarterbacks. You have a great week, everyone. Thank you.